Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. For our scripture reading, you can see the page numbers on the screen. I'm going to read from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18, just to kind of give you a context so this uh, sort of these words sort of uh, make sense a little bit. Today we're going to talk about the presence of God with us, this idea, this rather incredible idea that we live our lives each moment, each day in the presence of God, for he is with us always and forever. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. It's already been mentioned, but today is Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany is a Greek word that means manifestation or appearance and Since about the 4th century, Christians have celebrated and reflected on the manifestation of Jesus to the whole world. First, to the Magi, these non-Jewish seekers who came to find the child Jesus a couple or three years after he was born. And this is all recorded in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. And this ancient recognition and celebration of God's actual, real presence in the world is the absolute perfect kickoff to this new series we're calling Encountering God on Light Rail because this series is about God's ongoing presence in our lives and in this world and the opportunity you and I have to experience Him in the ordinary and everyday experiences of our lives. See, there's a problem in our nation. Obviously, there are many. But there's a particular problem in our nation, and it is quite a serious problem. 
In fact, it may be the biggest problem facing our nation these days. It's not a new problem. It's been around for some time. And in preparing for this series, I rediscovered a number of Scripture passages and a number of authors that name this problem. The problem in our nation is really a problem in the church and a problem with Christians and a problem in the Christian community. It's what Ronald Rollheiser calls the problem of unbelief among believers. He elaborates on what he means by this. Belief in God for many of us is little more than a hangover. We feel the effects of a religious activity of the past, but our own consciousness borders on agnosticism. Rarely is there a vital sense of God within the bread and butter of life. We still make certain space for God within our churches, but God is given a very restricted place everywhere else. God is not experienced as a living person to whom we actually talk, person to person, from whom we seek final consolation and comfort, and to whom we relate friend to friend, lover to lover, child to parent. The problem in our nation is that Christians and the church as a whole are not actually experiencing the presence and the reality of God in our everyday lives and circumstances and relationships. So we're not living out and demonstrating the difference God makes in the life of an individual and in the life of a community. Obviously, this is a broad sweeping generalization, and obviously there are exceptions. But we're beginning to get at the problem, I think, in our nation. Dave Fitch says it in this rather sobering way. For most Christians in the West, God is something we fit in between all the other things in our lives. The notion we can be present to God and He to us is not on the horizon of our awareness. We do not imagine that God is present outside of me or between me and the other person I'm with. That He will confront me in the middle of my world if I will open myself to Him. I don't know about you, but I can relate to these prophetic indictments. A consciousness bordering on agnosticism. I have that often. Life happens fast, and God is often far from my conscious thought in the moments of my days. Lacking a vital sense of God within the bread and butter of life. I relate to that. The problem of unbelief among believers. I said this on Christmas Eve. I am a Christian, but I often live like an agnostic, and sometimes I live like an atheist. And I imagine some of us, at least, can relate to these stinging indictments. It's hard to admit these things. But one of the secrets many Christians carry around is the disconnect between what we claim to believe about God and our actual experience of God. And so we reduce faith to a religious duty, or we reduce faith to a moral imperative of some kind, or we reduce faith to a political ideology, or a theological position, or a justice cause. But we lack a vital encounter with God in the everyday experiences of life. We don't experience Him. 
We don't feel Him. We don't see Him. We don't hear Him. We don't encounter Him. We hear about how we can see Him, and we can hear Him, and we can encounter Him, but the secret we carry is we don't often do so. He seems very far away. And the guilt then piles higher when we read things like David's intimate description of God's presence from today's scripture reading. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David describes a God who is near to him, felt by him, experienced. A God whose nearness is almost tangible. And over the next several weeks, we are going to seek to grow in our experience of God in everyday life so that his nearness comes closer to us. Now, the most important part of what we are going to do over these next six weeks or so is not what we are going to talk about in here on Sunday. It's what we are going to practice out in the world in everyday life. Each week of this series, there will be a practice for us to engage in to hopefully open us up to the presence of God in our ordinary and everyday lives. A simple practice each week. And each week, the practice will be shown on the screens in here, and it will be in the app Manuel was talking about. And I don't do this often, but I urge you to write it down. Or get the app. And I urge you right now, just as it is kind of a New Year thing, to commit to engaging in the practice each week of the series. We will have opportunities on occasion throughout this series for you to share about your experience in these practices, to have space in our Sunday gatherings where people can talk about what they experienced as they engaged in the practice. There are also a number of books that are helpful on this subject, and they are right now listed in the app, and they address the subject we're going to be considering in this series. Some of these books are easy to understand. Some of them require a bit of work, but if you're interested, you can look at the app. You can see the the title of the book, and there's actually a link in there where you can get out to Amazon and purchase it. Finally, I am intrigued and admittedly and probably a little bit too excited about this series. Because I think we desperately need this. Or if you don't, I know I desperately need this. Faith too easily becomes a head game. A set of propositions. I agree with this. I think this about that. And it gets stuck in our head. Our faith gets trapped in our head. This idea of experiencing God in the concrete moments of everyday life is one of the emerging values of our church. We think this really matters, and it warrants our attention and our effort. So it grows in us, and it grows among us, and becomes increasingly embedded into our church's culture. So let's begin by talking about an enchanted world. This past Thursday, I was sitting in the Phoenix airport on my way home from visiting my parents 
and celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. I was waiting at our departing southwest gate, sitting there, kind of bored, reading a little bit, fighting off a nap, having some anxiety about who was going to be in the middle seat next to me. And at one point, I looked across the way, and I saw a dad playing a game of hide-and-seek with his two-year-old daughter. And they were playing in and around a southwest check-in counter that was not in use. She would waddle behind the counter, and he would sort of trot across the front of the counter to the other side. And as she popped out on the other side, he'd say, boo, or he'd reach down and tickle her. And she would start giggling. And then she would waddle back the other way behind the southwest check-in counter. And he'd trot back across the front. And she would pop out and he would say, boo. He'd reach down and tickle her. And she just shrieked with delight. No matter where she waddled, he was there. And the beauty of the whole scene was her delight in being found by her dad. She would waddle away, not to hide from him, but to experience the delight of encountering him again. You've seen these moments between a grown-up and a child. Maybe you've had them. It's incarnate joy. What I saw in the crowded Phoenix airport the other day was pure joy. The joy of being together. And our language simply does not contain the words to fully describe the delight of a little girl who is the apple of her father's eye. I sat and watched pure joy in the crowded Phoenix airport at around 2.45 p.m. last Thursday while waiting to board an airplane. Right there. In the everyday experience of an airport, I received an incredibly good gift from God. And it did something to me. It affected my soul. It slowed me down. It centered me in a conscious awareness of God's presence and goodness in the midst of a crazy and broken world. And ever since, I've been thinking about how often I miss these moments of grace because I'm narcissistically preoccupied. I'm thinking about me and what I need to do and where I need to go and how I'm being perceived and a million other preoccupations with me that occupy and oppress my soul. We live in a world enchanted by the real presence of God dwelling among us. Now, some of us may not like this word enchanted. It pushes us somewhere we don't want to go. It evokes an image or perhaps a feeling of something that is haunted by a presence unseen, which is why it is one of my favorite words these days, because it invites me into the mystery and wonder of a world where God is actually present with me and between you and me and around us and in the daily happenings of this world. 
An enchanted world is one where God is descending the ideological throne and venturing out into the everyday experiences of real people. And this awakens a side of me I often restrain and restrict in the realm of faith. We might call it the feeling side gets awakened. Or if you prefer, the romantic side gets awakened. The experiential side is awakened. God with us right now is a booming theme in the entire Bible. Dallas Willard said it so wonderfully when he wrote these words, until our thoughts of God have found every visible thing and event glorious with his presence, the word of Jesus has not yet fully seized us. Let's go home. There's nothing more to be said. Here's what that means. That if you would just look around the room, and I know people don't like doing this because it's kind of weird, so just do it in a shady sort of way, like a shifty sort of way, so no one knows you're doing it. But if you just glance around the room, here's what Willard is saying, that every visible thing and event is glorious with the presence of God. And until our thoughts of God find every visible thing, lots of visible things in this room are people, until our thoughts of God find every visible thing glorious with His presence, He's saying the Word of Jesus has not quite yet fully grabbed hold of us. See, it's in an enchanted world where verses like Psalm 46.10 come alive in a vital and fresh and new way. Be still and know that I am God. So this is a vision issue. How we see God and His interactions with us in this world. From our scripture reading in Psalm 139, written by David, it could have been written by our two-year-old teacher waddling around in the airport. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I go around the corner of the southwest booth, you are there. It doesn't say that. I added that. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me tight. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Translation of all that. Wherever we waddle, our God is there. Our two-year-old friend at the airport is our teacher. Wherever she waddles, her father is there. Everywhere she turns, her father is there. And this is the key. His presence with her is pure joy because she is the apple of his eye. She is the apple of her father's eye. So being with him is pure joy for her and for him. 
See, God's presence for some of us is not so much enchanting as it is haunting because God with us triggers our guilt and shame. We fear God, not in a healthy way. We fear Him like we fear a raging bully. So we waddle away to avoid Him. But what if our vision is impaired and actually God delights in us like the Father delighted in His two-year-old daughter? Imagine what a day would be like, an ordinary day, if somehow we began to realize God's delight to be with us. Maybe I'm alone. I don't think I am, but maybe I am. But not only do I need this vision, I desperately want this. And I want to learn to live in the reality of it. David continues his ode to God's intimate presence. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And then because words are inadequate to describe this exquisite reality, David says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And then he says, and when I awake, I am still with you. An enchanted world. When Jesus is telling his disciples about his imminent death and resurrection, he says to them in John 16 and verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and here's the key phrase, and be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit whom he will give to be with us forever. A.W. Tozier, the famous pastor and writer of the last millennium, wrote this. The presence of God is the central fact of Christianity. At the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push in to conscious awareness of his presence. See, an enchanted world means there really are no separate compartments in our lives. You know how we do this. We all do it. We fall into this. My spiritual life, my work life, my relational life, my home life, my financial life, my emotional life. I'm in this compartment now, and then I go home, and I shut the door of that compartment, and I open the door of this compartment, and I step into this compartment, and I stay in this compartment for a while, then I step out of this compartment, and I shut the door, and so on it goes. We leave one compartment, we close the door to it, and then we enter into one of the others. This is how we so often operate. But in an enchanted world that is filled with the presence of God, there are no compartments. God is present in all situations. And he's on the move. And he's up to something. And he's stirring in some way. And we will see it. And we will hear it. And we will receive it if we are living awake. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her marvelous book, An Altar in the World, puts it this way. 
earth is so thick with divine possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars. So our business meetings are not just business meetings. Rides on light rail are not just rides on light rail. Evenings at home with our spouse and family are not just evenings at home. Algebra class is not just another boring math class. Each is thick with divine possibility until and until our thoughts of God see all of these things bursting with His glory and with His presence, the Word of Jesus has not fully grabbed hold of us. See, the potential is high living in this world for cracking our shins on altars if we are awake and alert to the presence of God with us. So let's talk second and lastly about the practice of gratitude. Barbara Brown Taylor, again from the same book, in a world where faith is often construed as a way of thinking, bodily practices remind the willing that faith is a way of life. And I simply cannot stress enough the importance of this statement for Christ followers in a broken and crazy world in 2020. Faith is often construed as a way of thinking. Bodily practices remind those who are willing that faith is actually a way of life. Faith is not primarily a way of thinking. It is a way of living. A way of living that incarnates and demonstrates and manifests the presence of the Holy Spirit and the reality of God's kingdom. If you will, real faith is epiphany. It manifests the presence of God with us and in us and between us and around us. And this series is about us at Oak Hills choosing to grow in conscious awareness of God's presence in everyday life situations. To be more present to his presence in our ordinary lives. Because when we live with greater awareness of God's presence, when we live awake to him, we'll begin to demonstrate a new way of living to a world desperately in need of a new way of living. So as I mentioned, we're going to practice together so we grow in these things. And I realize this is an audacious ask. One easily ignorable, but I'm hoping you will agree to play along. Each week there's going to be a takeaway practice from the sermon to incorporate into the upcoming week. And the practices are more important than the sermon. And this first one is just a starting point to help us begin to be present to what is actually happening around us. So here's this week's practice. It's on the screen. It's in the app. In everyday life experiences, be captured by the present moment. Pay attention to what is actually happening right where you actually are and whisper gratitude to God for the many gifts you observe. Again, that's going to stay there. I encourage you to write it down, get the app, whatever. In short, this week we want to practice gratitude. See, this is what happened at the airport. Gratitude happened, almost by chance, but maybe in part because I was looking around. And maybe in part because at least... 
for a split second, I paid attention and saw something. The practice of gratitude, where we intentionally look and listen and notice the good things happening around us. And we receive them as good gifts from our good Father. This practice, simple as it is, helps us, for one, be present where we actually are. You ever think about this? How often are you actually present where you actually are instead of always being 20 minutes ahead of where you actually are? Thinking about where you're going, not where you are. Riding on the light rail, not thinking about where am I, who am I with, what's happening around me, but thinking about what I've got to do when I get there. So the practice of gratitude helps us be present where we actually are. It helps us realize, as one author perfectly puts it, the red X that marks the spot of what God is doing in and around us is right under our feet. Secondly, though, the practice of gratitude also has profound power to transform our default modes. And for the sake of today's discussion, I'm going to call our default modes one of three. Cynicism, critique, or complaint. And let's face it, these three, cynicism, critique, and complaint, are first languages for many of us. When I'm not consciously aware of God's presence in the moments of everyday life, I default to cynicism, critique, and complaint. An audit of my words and reactions would find they often fit into one of these categories, and I especially fall into this when I'm not consciously aware of the presence of God. And the practice of gratitude, looking and listening and noticing the good and giving thanks for it, has a way of transforming these defaults. And so I urge us to try this this week. In everyday life experiences, be captured by the present moment. Pay attention to what's actually happening right where we actually are, and whisper gratitude to God for the gifts we observe. I would suggest we start this at home with the people closest to us, because it's the people closest to us who often get the most of our cynicism, critique, and complaint. That we start at home paying attention to what's actually happening, noticing the goodness at home, with those closest to us, at school, at work, when we are at lunch, perhaps in a couple of hours, when we are out running errands, being attentive to the present moment. The red X is right under our feet. God is present. The world is enchanted. And what would it look like to live in that reality? And every time we see something that reflects God's goodness, we simply quietly whisper gratitude to God for it. Our brains are amazing machines. We can think of multiple things at one time. In fact, we do this all the time. In fact, some of you are doing it right now, I'm sure. And so am I. As I stand here and think about these things and talk, I'll be straight with you. I'm thinking about lunch and a nap in about three hours. And the question is, is there any purposefulness 
to the various things we think about at one time? Or do they just happen like a rushing current that has no uh, flow to it? It's just going everywhere. This week, I'm urging us to choose to practice gratitude for the gifts we observe. It will slow us down. It will slow us down. It will bring God-soaked vitality to light rail trips and airport layovers and to many of life's frustrations and to the errands we run and the meetings we're in and to the hours spent in a classroom. And most of all, practicing gratitude will begin to increase our awareness of God's presence and activity with and among us. Now, Sometimes we, it's good for us to step back and say, so what is this gathering all about? What are we attempting to do in this gathering? And there's many things we could say about it. But the one thing I want to mention today is a large part of what we're trying to do in these gatherings is to engage in training so that when we're not here, we are living out kingdom reality. So when we gather together, we're coming together to learn how to do these things so that when we're not together, we can do these things. It's just like anything. If we say, well, I'm going to practice fill in the blank. I'm going to practice the piano so that one day I can sit up here during the offering and you can listen to me and when I'm done, you'll applaud. Well, I've never played the piano. I think I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. I don't know if you'd applaud to that, but I think I can play that. But if I thought, you know, I'm going to practice this so that I can actually get better at it. And then I came to you a week from now and said, you know, I came in here on Tuesday. Manuel gave me a little lesson, but I can't do it today in any way that you're going to want to listen to. So I give up. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore because practice doesn't work. Well, the definition of practice is we continue to practice it. And as we practice it, we learn it. And a large part of what we're doing in here is trying to practice the things that we're talking about so that when we're not here, we can live them out. So we have this thing called passing of the peace. Sometimes it's called a greeting. Sometimes it's thought of as a greeting. Many times it's thought of as, oh, brother, not that again. We call it passing of the peace, but it's really a turnaround. Hey, how you doing? Good, yeah, nice, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I want to suggest to you that the passing of the peace is one of the ways, very simply, that we can practice what we've been talking about today. Gratitude. Gratitude for the other. Gratitude for our community. Gratitude for the privilege of being together. And it gives us a way to practice noticing, seeing, being with, being present where we actually are. You know what happens in these passings of the peace sometimes? I, I, it, it just does. As we say we're going to have a passing of peace, we're going to have a greeting, and right away, we launch to the point of, can't wait till this is over. So here we are in the now, with a red X under our foot, but we're going in our mind, we're over here. So we're just trying to get through this, so we can get to where we think we want to be. And I'm suggesting to you that this week that we learn how to stay put and say, okay, so what's God up to right here in the moment, in the now, in the present? It's a way to be present with each other and present to God's presence 
among us. So I want to ask you just to take a moment or two, we're not going to drag this out forever, and pass the peace to each other. What are we doing there? We're saying the peace of Christ be with you. It's good to see. You know what we're doing? We're acknowledging the presence of God that exists between us because God is present everywhere. So let's pass the peace together.